During the season of Lent, our focus is on renewing or refreshing our spiritual life. Isn't it true that sometimes we need to take a step back and evaluate who we are before God? That's what I want you to do this morning. And I know this is the truth, and you know it to be the truth as well, that there's one thing that hinders our life with God more than anything else. It separates us from God. It stunts our spiritual growth. It keeps us from growing and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. It can destroy and kill. You know the one thing is sin. Sin is the one thing that needs to be eliminated from our lives if our spiritual life ever is going to thrive. Now, as soon as you know that the preacher is going to preach about sin, some of you are already ready to check out. Because what else can the preacher say about sin that you don't already know? There's not a single person here that thinks sin is a good thing. There's not a single person here that wants less of it in their life. There's not a single person here who hasn't struggled with it or over time's overcome it, but also still wishes it wasn't such a battle. So maybe you already said, well, I'll wait until we sing at the end because I know what he's going to say. Sin is bad and <laughs> I still have to deal with it. In fact, sometimes it feels like uh, when a preacher preaches about sin, it's like a doctor telling his patient how bad fast food is. Uh, do you know... Uh, uh, if you're like me, I love fast food. I mean, this picture here has hamburgers. The pizza looks kind of suspect here, but really, is there any bad pizza? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's less good pizza, but I think almost any pizza is a good pizza. So I'm pizza and burgers and fries and, and nuts and the donuts too. I love how they put the donuts right next to the hamburgers. But anyway, isn't it true that if you're someone who loves fast food, you know that it's unhealthy it has lots of sugar, lots of salt. The nutritional value is basically zero. And when you go to the doctor, especially if you're a little bit overweight, the doctor is going to tell you you need to lose weight and you need to cut out the junk food. And the doctor is even going to tell you all the harmful effects of the junk food. Type 2 diabetes and weight gain and depression and asthma, high blood pressure. I mean, the doctor can tell you all of these things. That if you eat this food, this is what's going to happen to your body. You listen to it. You acknowledge it. I don't think most of us argue with the doctor and say, doctor, you're wrong. This stuff is good for me. You know, you, you know and you hear. And especially in the presence of the doctor, you make a commitment that you are going to do better. You're going to cut it out. You are going to eat vegetables. You are going to exercise. You're going to lose that weight. You hear the doctor. You know what the doctor says. And then you leave the doctor's office. And as you're driving back home, you go past the Chick-fil-A. And every promise you made to that doctor went out the window. At that moment, you don't care what he said about diabetes and high blood pressure. All you're thinking about is the crispy chicken sandwich and the waffle fries and the milkshake, and your car magically somehow pulls through the drive-thru and you enjoy your junk food. And then if you really heard what the doctor said, you feel guilty about it. And you say, I will start tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
I will do right. As much as that's funny and it's true, isn't that often how we as Christians deal with sin? We hear the preacher talk about sin. In the midst of a church service, we know how bad it is. We know we got to cut it out. We know we can do so with victory in Christ. We know all this. We make a commitment. We repent. We confess. We leave the church. It doesn't even take Monday morning to come. Usually it's Sunday afternoon. And we're back into sin. We feel guilty about it. And that sermon seems like it was years ago. I want our time this morning to be different. And even if you've heard lots of sermons about how bad sin is, and even though we experience it and know it, I want us to be reminded. I want us to hear the truth of God's word and be renewed in our commitment to holiness and eliminating sin from our life. It's easy to define what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. In fact, that's what James, excuse me, John tells us. He says, everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Again, I don't have to tell you too much about sin. We're all very familiar with it. It's basically disobeying God. So whether it is, for example, the Ten Commandments, disobeying what God says, don't do this, and we do it. He says, do not steal, and we steal. Or he says, basically, don't lie. Don't give false testimony. Yet we lie. God has told us, don't do this, And we break the law and we do it. It's sin. Or if you want to think about all the things we are supposed to do, but we don't do them. That too is sin. Jesus summed up all of the law of the Old Testament with these two commands, to love God and to love others. And if you think about how you live your life each day, you know this to be true for pastors, for everybody. There's times throughout our day that we are doing things that God has told us not to do. Especially when you hear Jesus tell us about how those Ten Commandments really are to be applied. Because isn't it true when Jesus says, you've heard not to commit adultery, but I tell you, if you lust after someone, you've committed adultery in your heart. And when God says, don't murder, don't kill, but you are hateful towards someone, you have murdered them. So when Jesus gives that kind of standard to the Ten Commandments, and when he says to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, do we ever love God with all of that? Do we ever truly love our neighbor as ourself? We very quickly realize that every day we fall short of the commands to not do this, and we fall short of the commands to do these things, and we are sinners. It's not hard to know that. We live with that. But for us as Christians, I think it's more than just simply disobeying the law. Because when I say it that way, it's almost like God's a policeman. And we've broken the law. And now he's going to write us a ticket. He's going to give us a fine. You know, it's, it's a law and we've broken it. But for us as Christians, it's more than that because God is our father. We are his children. And he said to the Israelites in Isaiah chapter 1, he says, I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. So it's not just breaking a law, it's seeing God our Father 
and it's rejecting him, rebelling against him, telling God, I don't care what you say, God. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what you've told me not to do, Father. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care what you told me to go and do. I'm not going to do it. See, the attitude is much more personal. You're not just breaking some law written on a book somewhere or engraved on some stone tablets. You are standing in front of our Father to his face and telling him, no, I'm going to do it my own way. Isaiah continues, O sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, depraved children, they have abandoned the Lord, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they have turned their backs on Him. Much more personal for us. Our Father, we turn our backs on Him, abandon Him, run away from Him. That's what sin is. And even as this word is written, sin here with the I in the middle, when it's written this way, it looks so innocent. Really, the, the root of all sin is that I, that selfishness. Because sin originated with Satan, who said that he was going to be God. I will ascend, I his statements are all I, 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 I. When it comes to sin in our life, it's I will do what I want. I will rebel against God. I will ignore God. I will do what God says not to do. I, I, I. Selfishness, rebellion. It's the essence of every sin. To declare ourselves God. To say to God, you say you're God, but God, for right now, this moment, I'm going to be God. And I'm going to do what I want to do. For us, because we live with it every day, because it's a constant battle, and because we've done so much rationalizing of our sin, sin often is something small, just kind of an annoyance. I really wish we had a better idea of how much sin really is a killer. Uh, going back to that fast food analogy, I think we do kind of think of sin sometimes as fast food. Yeah, we know it's bad for us, but eh, I'll take my chances. <laughs> you know, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, maybe that's 20 years from now. Let me enjoy my fast food now. I'll worry about it 20 years from now. I'm not going to worry about it now. We have the same idea with sin. Oh, sin... Yeah, it's bad, but, you know, for the moment, I, maybe I'll get away with it. Yeah, maybe it'll bring some destruction later. That's 20 years from now. Let me just enjoy it now. If we thought more of it as poison, if we thought of our fast food as poison, we'd probably keep it away from our lips and our stomach, wouldn't we? And if we thought of sin of what it really is, poison, destructive, a killer, we wouldn't be so cozy with it. Here are these consequences of the sin, and they're all killers. It separates us from God. Of course, it was Adam and Eve, our parents, who sinned first, and they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden from that fellowship with God they enjoyed with Him every day. And we are their children. 
When we are conceived, when we are born, we're sinners, just like they were. And therefore, we're separated from God at birth. Thankfully, praise the Lord, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God. We were enemies, we become friends. We were once far away, we become near. We become children of God. We were outsiders, we become part of the family. Through the salvation through Jesus Christ, we who are separated from God are connected back to Him. But even for Christians, every sin we commit separates us from God. God is holy. To have fellowship with Him, we must be holy. To sin against Him separates us from Him. And it breaks our fellowship with Him. And it makes sense if... We're walking with God, so to speak, and, and sin's not in our life. We can be close to Him. But every sin is a step away from Him. And farther away from Him, the more we're separated from Him. And again, our sin is our backs turned against Him and walking away from Him. We're the ones breaking the fellowship, not God. Because we are sinning. Sin always separates us from God. Sin always has natural consequences. When we tell a lie, it always has negative consequences. It always destroys trust. It always destroys a relationship. Of course, we know not all consequences come immediately. Not all consequences come the same to every person. Some person can tell a lie, get caught in it immediately, and suffer severe consequences. Someone else may be a very good liar and be able to lie to lots of people for lots of years and it seems like they get away with it. But they won't. God sees everything. And even naturally, things happen when you sin and it's always negative. There never are positive long-term consequences for sin. Never. Sin also leads to eternal consequences. Those who believe in Jesus are reconciled to God. Those who do not believe spend an eternity in a lake of fire. Still think sin doesn't kill? Sin is just something we can cuddle up to? Sin has eternal killing consequences. Sin brings discipline from God. And this makes sense too. If you're good parents, you never let your kids just do whatever they want to when it's bad, when it's evil, when it hurts their relationship with you, when it hurts their relationship with others, when they are acting as they shouldn't. You step in and you put a stop to it. You discipline them. God does the same for us. The writer of Hebrews, quoting Proverbs, says, My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. God wants you to be close to him. He wants you to live a righteous life. He wants you to experience the blessing of a spirit-filled, righteous-lived life. And when he sees you not doing that, he is going to discipline you to bring you back so that you can experience that. And just like with parents and children, sometimes discipline can be slight, 
Sometimes it can be severe. And isn't it true as you as a parent, you have to step it up when the slight doesn't do it. God does the same thing. His first discipline may be slight. It may be a whisper. It may be a gentle nudge. But if there's continued rebellion, continued sin, we're even told at times God does the ultimate discipline and he takes Christians from this earth to discipline from sin. Why would you want to receive that discipline? Why would you want to be separated from the God who loves you and died for you and created you? Why would you want the negative, evil, disastrous consequences of sin? Why do we all want that stuff? We don't want that stuff. Yet we still sin and we still suffer the consequences of it. And and why is it? I think it's because of these three reasons when it comes to sin. We are excellent at doing this. And because of this, we continue to sin. We continue to embrace it. We continue to suffer the consequences of it because we have done this. One thing we do is we redefine it. Lying's a sin, but we redefine it. It's not lying. It's a half-truth. That doesn't sound like a sin. You're telling the truth. (laughs) It's not... Sin, it's not a lie, it's a white lie. That means it's not a sinful lie, it's an okay lie. You know, it's not sin because it's not a lie, it's an alternative reality or something like that, okay? So if you can put a different name on it, if you can make it sound different, well, it's not sin anymore. And aren't we good at taking all the things that are sin in our lives and giving them different names and giving really awful names to all the sin in other people's life? Yeah, so I, I don't have trouble with lying. I, you know, I tell it like it is. I tell half-truths, white lies, but I'm not a liar. Those politicians, they're liars. You know? So we can, we're good at doing that, redefining our sin. We're even better at this rationalizing our sin. It's not going to hurt me. I'm different than everybody else. Yeah, everybody else, when they sin, they're going to hurt and have consequences, but not me. I'm different. You know, I could stop sinning at any time, but I don't really want to. I enjoy it too much. It's not hurting anybody. We rationalize it. Make excuses for it. It's just who I am. I I can't do anything about it. So the more we rationalize and make excuses for it, then we don't have to deal with it. It stops becoming sin that separates us from God and just becomes a part of who we are. And because it's part of who we are, we just have to live with it. This is the most dangerous one that we do, and that's to religion it. I know that's not probably grammatically correct to say religion it. But this is what we do, and this is very dangerous. What we do is we focus on all of the worship we do for God, maybe even all the good things we do for God. And we expect that to cover up the sin that's in our life. We reason it, if I come to church every Sunday, Well, that kind of makes up for the sin I do during the week. You know, in Isaiah's day, 
I just read for you how the people had abandoned God, how they had rebelled against God. But you know what? They were a very, very religious people. Now, people who were, in our terms, going to church all the time, singing songs, doing mission work, serving on committees. And God said, cut it out. I hate it. It's an offense to me. It stinks. It's disgusting. Because there's sin all in and around you. This is what he said in Isaiah. Stop burning useless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the calling of solemn assemblies, I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moons and prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I'm tired of putting up with them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Do you hear what God is saying? He's saying this to his people. I hear him saying this to us Christians. Don't cuddle up to your sin and do a lot of good works and worship and think because you are doing that that you can ignore the sin in your life. You see, worship is to be a response to a right relationship with God. It is not a cover for our sin. And so if we are living godless lives during the week and coming to church on Sunday and think we've got it all figured out, we are deceiving ourselves. And God hates that kind of worship. Did you hear the words hate, detestable, stop? That is not the worship God wants. That's enough of the bad news. Let's hear some good news of how we can get rid of the sin that entangles us. First of all, I have to be honest with God and confess it. Stop redefining it. Stop rationalizing it. Be honest. When God says something is sin, fess up to it, admit it, and say to God, yes, God, I agree with you. This is sin. That's the first step. That's what confession is. But too often we don't even get to that step. Because again, we want to make excuses. We want to redefine it. We don't want to admit that this is sin. Well, how are you ever going to get to any farther getting rid of it if you won't be honest and admit that it's sin? So do that first and then repent. Now, I guess in the simplest way, repent is just stop doing it. Now, if I just say stop sinning, that's not much, very good advice. Again, duh, that's like saying sin is bad, stop doing it, let's go home. Well, you know it's bad, and you know you want to stop doing it, but that, <laughs> you've tried that. I mean, but, so I like the, really what the word repent means is to turn around, uh, is to be going in one direction and go back the other direction. So I like this idea about it when we're saying to repent of it, to stop it. It's just not saying you have these choices to sin or to not to sin. and Just stop it, choose the right thing. What you're doing, it's a whole different mindset. You see, when you're sinning, you're pursuing sin and you're walking away from God and you are filling your life with selfishness. And so it's a whole lifestyle. It's a whole attitude that's going in one direction. So when you repent of sin in your life, 
You are abandoning a whole bunch of things, not just saying stop. You're reorienting, going the other way. You're going towards God. You are denying self. You are having a different attitude towards your sin, being honest about it. So repentance is really kind of different than just saying stop doing it. And when you are honest about it and repent of it, God expects to see some fruit of it. Isn't it true that what we often do is get caught? I'm sorry because we got caught in our sin. I'm never going to do it again. And then when no one's watching, you have an opportunity, you do it again. Because really, you never did confess it or repent of it. You just were sorry that you got caught in it. And so that's not a true repentance. That's a false repentance. If you're truly confessing it, you truly repent, then there will be some fruit. Uh, There'll be a life change. Something will be different. And that's what God expects to see. This is the good news God says in Isaiah, come let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. Here's the good news. We have victory in Jesus. It is Jesus who died on the cross for our sin to pay the penalty of our sin, the eternal consequences of our sin, but also he freed us from sin. It's It's true, before we are saved, we are a slave to sin. Our father is the devil. Of course, there are people who are unbelievers who do good things and have good minds, but it's good in a relative sense. They're still filled with sin. They're still a slave to sin, still a child of Satan. That's who all of us were before we were saved. But when we are saved, we are freed from sin. Our our father now is God himself, where there is freedom, there is victory. Paul says, but now since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit which results in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin brings death, but the gift of salvation brings eternal life. We were once slaves to sin, but now we're not. This is the truth. We as Christians do not have to sin. Before we were saved, we were born sinners. We were enslaved to sin. Satan's our father. Yeah, we're going to sin when that's the case. But when we have freed from sin, we as Christians have the power of the Holy Spirit in us so that we do not have to sin. So that every sin we commit is a choice. Where does that power come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. God himself is in us. God doesn't just tell us, hey Christians, I freed you from sin, now go out on your own and live a righteous life. No, God says, I have freed you from sin and I'm going to be living in you to give you the power to be able to live a righteous life. It comes from God himself. Look at what Paul says. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. 
So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. So notice what he's saying. We don't have to sin. We don't have to do the things that our sinful nature, our sinful flesh wants to do. Why? Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, this is the rub. The Spirit of God lives in us to empower us to live a righteous, God-pleasing, sinless life. We still have a free will. And what happens is we say to the Holy Spirit who is here, we say, eh, go take a hike. Uh, we, we, we quench the Spirit. The Spirit moves in us and we say, no. Uh, the Spirit moves us to stop us from sinning and we say no. We still have a choice. But you see what the choice is? The choice is to say no to God who's going to empower us. It's a little different choice. So the power is there. God is there. We say yes to him. We say yield to him. We are going to have victory over sin. God himself is going to do it. The power of God that raised Christ from the dead is that power that's in us that empowers us to live righteously, to say no to sin. But we cannot say no to the power that's there. I mean, is that true? I mean, it's, it's very simple. I mean, I know it's kind of complicated in the sense that this is spiritual, but the idea is simple. Here in the CLC, we have lights. There's power here. There's light here. But you have to turn the switch on. You don't turn the switch on, it's not going to happen. That's kind of the opposite with us. The power is already here. We don't have to turn the spirit on. He's here. But we can turn it off, can't we? I can go turn the switch off. These lights are gone, even though the power's here. So th that's the idea. That's the power of God in us that gives us the victory over sin. Last thing. I wanted to give you some nine quick practical. I'm not going to spend nine, a minute on each one of these. We'll be here another 10 minutes. But I know sometimes you just need something practical. The reason I have the Got Questions logo on this page is because this is where I got it from, okay? So I want to give credit where credit is due. Just a, a, an advertisement. If you go to gotquestions.org, it's an excellent resource to answer lots of questions about Bible, the Bible and Christianity. I use it often. In fact, if you go to our church website, there's a link to it there. So I encourage you to use this. But here are some ways, maybe practically, that you can think about how to have victory over sin. Admit the truth, we're sinners. I've already shared with you the consequences of sin. Know the source of sin. It comes from Satan. It comes from our natural selves. The more we know God, the less we want sin in our life. The more we love God, the less we want to hurt Him by sinning. The better we understand what Christ did for us, the less we want sin in our life. If we truly understand the horror of the crucifixion, we truly understand the extent God went to. Jesus, who lived in heaven, in a perfect place, with the angels obeying everything, came to this earth, gave that up, lived among us humans, lived along smelly animals. I mean, just think about what he gave up to be here and to give his life. If you, we understand that more, we're going to hate sin more. Because sin is what, is what caused all of this. Christ to come to this place, to die on the cross. We understand that, I believe we will hate sin more. We realize what we could be if sin wasn't holding us back. 
Can you imagine the Christian you would be how, if you were obedient and if you were filled with the Spirit, what you would do for God, how blessed your life would be? I mean, sin is what drags us down. Sin is what holds us back. Sin is what hinders us. If we realized that more, we wouldn't want the sin in our life. Why do you want something that holds you down and holds you back and pushes you down and hinders you? You don't want that in your life. If we realized what we could be without it, we wouldn't want it in our life. If we really cared about our unsaved friends. You know, when we say, hey, I'm a Christian. And then people see our lives and they say just as much sin in our life as they do in their life. They say, well, all right, you're a Christian. I'm, I'm an atheist. Big deal. Big whoop. Your life, my life looks the same to me. Do we really want our unsaved friends to see a life that looks just like theirs, filled with sin? No, we want to see them to see a different life. And in seeing that different life, want that life with Christ. And finally, consider eternity more. Think about this. We're going to live with God forever. We praise God in that time. Sin's gone. There's no more sin. But think about this. We often think about, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. I know we don't want to die today, but you know what I mean. We want, we want to be with God because we want that place where there's no pain, there's no sorrow. We want to be in God's presence. We want to worship him face to face. We don't want to have to worship him from a distance, so to speak, even though he's right here. You know what I'm trying to say. Well, if we want all that, why don't we do that now? <laughs> you know, why wait till then to live a holy life, be holy, uh, worship God in holiness, do it now. now this, again, this earth isn't a place just to dabble with sin and have fun with sin, and then we'll get to the real stuff after we die in heaven. You know, if that's what we want, then do it now and have that relationship with God now. For eternity, we will be in a place where there is no sin because God hates it. So let's live now in our lives without the sin. Because God hates it now just as much as he will in eternity. Don't go now and leave here and eat the Chick-fil-A on your way home. See, it's Sunday. You can't eat it today anyway. I don't want you to hear this, oh yeah, sin's bad. I want to get rid of it out of my life. Right now as we pray and we sing, you're going to say, God, I repent, I confess, I'm going to get rid of it. And then you make a turn down Black Ridge Road and the sermon goes out the window, and you're back to your same sinful life. Don't do that today. Take this opportunity, now that the truth of what sin is and its dire consequences is right in front of your face and it's fresh on your mind, evaluate your life, confess, repent, rest in the victory in Christ, and have your life changed today. It can happen. And do it. And don't let this opportunity slip away and your life go on as always, as we often do. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Use this time to get right with God. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for myself, for my brothers and sisters, that we take seriously what you have spoken to us today. We know it. We haven't learned anything new we know how dire sin is. But I pray right now, maybe for a time unlike any other in our life, 
Well, we make this commitment to you, God, to confess our sin, repent of it, and allow you, Holy Spirit, to transform us so that we live a life of righteousness, holiness for you. Do so now, Lord, as we respond. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.